We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Friday. It's casual Friday. Casual, it may not be that casual, but it's April 22nd. We got baseball going on. We got soccer tomorrow. We got MMA tomorrow. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. I got some math stuff. I got some math stuff prepared for you. That'll apply to any sport. So that's good. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. We got a, we got a good crew this morning. Feel free to type any questions in there. It'll be a little bit shorter of a show. I got I got another show at, at noon. So we'll be out of here in about 45 minutes or so. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know how I like the thummy thumbs. I don't care which way you go, sideways, ups or downs. It doesn't matter. Click around on that screen. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live on the channel. Suki Singh here early as usual. Doug Montgomery, Infamous Tuck, Andrew Garcia, Eric Brunick, Trey, Jack Connor, Hog Lawrence, Kickstart, Stephen Brinkman, Daniel Hutchings, Hingo, Brian C. We got Devin in the chat also. We got stuff going on. I didn't play baseball yesterday. I had a dentist appointment. It was an early slate. And uh, I was I was at the dentist for two hours. I don't have to go back for a long time. I, all my dental work is done. I got my crown. I got my whatever. Like they did that. They did, they just they just shoved stuff in my mouth. Everything is taken care of, so don't have to go back there until I get the you know normal cleaning checkup type of thing in September. So we should be good. We should be good for a while. 
uh, the dentist that closes their office at two o'clock for no apparent reason. I don't know. I don't get it. Who wakes up that early? That their office is open from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Who gets up that early? I don't, right? Oh, can you make a 7.30 appointment? It's like, yeah, if I stay up the whole night, maybe. I get up at that time, whatever. We've got Alex Santi in the chat, Mike B. Got tons of stuff. We got a 13-game slate tonight. I don't know. Uh, the, the weather report isn't out yet, so we'll, we'll figure that out. We got Grinders Live later today. They'll be covering Dean and the guys. They'll be covering those. Uh, crunch time's free. As usual, uh, we got tons of tons of stuff going on on the scores and odds YouTube channel. If you subscribe there, live locks at 2 p.m. We, we're also doing hockey, hockey grinders live. That's like two days a week. We got the MMA ground and pound. That's for premium premium members. And always uh, my uh, my blenders game theory channel. If you want to, hey, outside of the time of this YouTube chat, I'll answer any of your questions. So go sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And uh, we got another, the next coaching session on Zoom is uh, sun, Sunday afternoon, Sunday at 4 p.m. See, I move them around. Some people are only available on weekends, some at night, some at whatever. So they move around every week or so. So subscribe there. You get, that's a value add to your subscription. Also uh, of note, uh, Slate IQ for MLB is now up and running. We had some technical difficulties the first few weeks, but uh, I, I think it ran yesterday. I, 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 I see it up on the site now. It, it typically doesn't come out to like three o'clock, and then it updates about three or four times throughout the day since uh, for, as lineups come out or whatever. So, so just want to make everyone aware. Slate IQ, which is our, our simulation, our top stack stimulation tool, is available for premium members but uh, I, I wanted to get into a math lesson okay and this is going to apply to all sports even though i'm going to relate it to mma right a lot of people come on fridays now i get dms i get messages you're going to go over your mma sheet because uh i apparently am pretty good at mma dfs now right took me took me two years it's one of my most profitable sports now uh and uh the thing about mma let me let me this we got a we got a one hell of a slate with like two ridiculous we got ridiculous favorites Romanoff and Barry are like I mean Chase Sherman probably shouldn't be in the UFC anymore Mike Jackson is like a reporter or something I don't even know why he's fighting yeah I don't think he's fought a fight in four years he's never won right and he's going against Dean Barry who sucks also but at least he's a, at least he's an MMA fighter I guess so we, we got heavy 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 favorites uh but I want to relate it to MMA because a lot of people, like I, I say, uh, two, two the, you have two different types of edges in DFS, to me, in my opinion. You have the, the uninformed edge, which is basically people that aren't looking at any type of projections, don't consider ownership, uh, you know, picking out, uh, you know, this guy, the haircut narratives, this guy, the, the, in the past seven games, this guy has done this versus like stuff that doesn't matter, right? uneducated people building lineups with no correlation in baseball don't, don't don't adhere to any any dfs fundamentals and then just you know hope to get lucky like there's there's those types of lineups in the contest and th th that includes lineups that are like too chalky right that lineup says oh okay i'm gonna build a, the, the best plays eight play and then like you min cash a lot but you don't win often at all uh not, at least not a top spot uh and then you also have an edge based on people that misuse lineup builders slash optimizers. Okay. And that, and that, that I consider that an informed edge, 
Like these, typically these people are more informed. They understand the value of projections. They pay for Roto-Grinders Premium. They get projections in all the sports, right? But then they utilize a tool like we have Lineup HQ right here. And they rely so heavily on these mean projections or median projections, right? So they'll take a look at, uh, for instance, point per dollar wise, it's like, oh, well, uh, well, Reed Detmers projects better than Patrick Corbin, better than the, like the one point difference. Now in Pitton, now pitchers, a little bit more normal distribution. So I can, I can understand relying a little bit heavier on mean projections, but on hitters, on the other hand, we go to this hitter column, right? And we have like Austin Slater, 2,400. If he leads off against Patrick Corbin, has a median projection of eight, 8.23. Has a floor of 0 0.78, which is like uh, the, the 20, 24th percentile, 20, 26th percentile, ceiling 84th percentile, something like that, around there, of 19. Now, if we take a look at the range of outcomes of all these, like it's, it's once you account for revariance, like the difference between these are, are marginal, right? Look how wide. Basically, everyone's floor is about zero, right? You don't see many people's people's uh, 16th percentile outcome being one, right? And how does anyone score one in baseball? Can you score one point on DraftKings? No, right? So it's not an actual outcome. We have, we have uh, mean projections that depending on the standard deviation, the, the type of distribution of the player are fairly unrealistic outcomes also. They'll, they'll happen more often than not. But we have like Adam Duvall at seven, right? But really Adam Duvall is more of the type of hitter that he, he puts up few points or puts up a lot of points. So an act, as an actual outcome, seven points is, is fairly unrealistic. Right, but people treat these mean projections as, as gospel. Seven point three is better than seven point two, so I'm going to play the guy that's seven point three, even though the range of outcomes could be different. Because that's the difference between a normal distribution. I've showed this before, but this this this, this is a fundamental statistical concept that that you have to weigh for DFS, even if you're not building based on mean projections, even if you're if you're hand building, even if you're not using projections. What type of sport, what type of players? Normal distribution. Basketball adheres. The players' outcomes are more normally distributed. They're not perfectly normal, right? But they're more normal, meaning that their mean projection, if someone's basketball's mean projection is 34, they'll score 31, they'll score 38, they'll score 32, they'll have 28s, they'll have 42s. This, 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 this pink zone over here, right? Most of their outcomes, 68% of their outcomes or so, will be within one standard deviation of that mean, right? And then you have the, the really bad and the really great are rare, but their proportion to that, that median percentage-wise. But then you also have like more bimodal or multimodal distributions where the player's mean projection, their mean outcome supposedly is like we see here in like 50 right? But it really doesn't, they score a lot of 25s and a lot of 75s, even though if you average it all out, if you make a median even, it's on an outcome that doesn't happen that often. Yet people treat when they build in optimizers as if mean projections are like the thing. 
Now, in a, in a sport like MMA uh, or golf even, uh, maybe NASCAR, I don't know, I don't play NASCAR, uh, baseball a little bit more so, basketball much less so, outcomes like we have here in our uh, MMA projections, for instance, we have mean projections. So we have someone like Alexander Romanov, who's a million, God knows how much of a favorite, 91.6. Right. His opponent is Chase Sherman at 21.6. Now it's fairly rare in this type of fight that Chase Sherman is going to put up 21 points. Right. It's, it's, it's going to be rare that his, his outcome range is extremely wide. Right. Romanoff's range. I mean, Romanoff, there are, there are some instances where Romanoff only scores five points because Chase Sherman knocks him out within the first minute or two. Right. That doesn't happen that often. But that's, that's what will happen a small percentage of the time. But Chase Sherman scoring 21 will probably, he probably lasts the, the all three rounds and loses, right? Now, if he wins the fight it's in a decision, you score at least six to 30 points, right? So the 21 points for Chase Sherman, 27 for Mike Jackson, 28 for Villanueva, especially on the, on the, the fights where it's heavily lopsided, while this may be the mean projection, it doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily reflect an, an a realistic outcome, an outcome that happens often, right? But people will build their lineups based on these numbers and not based on a range of outcomes that is realistic for the players, for the for the people in the pro, in the in the player pool. We see them in golf, right? So someone will have a sixty eight point mean projection well if they don't make the cut they ain't getting 68 points and if they if they're the first round leader if they're this uh, the, the leading you know oh they'll lead the the, the field in the third round you know three percent of the time or so you know so, some top 20 three percent of the time it's like well they're not scoring 68 they're going to be like in the 80s or 90s range 68 points is is not a if we take it's not a normal dish but 68 would be here and there would be a lot of 65s, a lot of 74s, a lot of, but that those aren't the predominant amount of outcomes. It's more of a bimodal distribution where if they make the, if they miss the cut, they're going to be 18s, 22s, 26s, you know, something like that. And if they do make the cut, it's going to be more like 75s, 82s, things like that. But if you're building based on a mean projection, you're not capturing, you're not capturing realistic outcomes when you build your lineups. So for instance, in MMA, like I showed before, like I have a sheet here, this is why in a sport like MMA, I don't, I don't go by, by mean projections. Because if we, have, if, we, if we go by the efficient market hypothesis and say that the betting market is uh, end over end, you know, long run, the most efficient lines related to the range of outcomes, like we have someone like uh, Ike Villanueva, right? His, his mean, we have his, his mean projection is 28, right? Okay, but he wins in the first round 8% of the time. Okay, if you win in the first round, you're getting at least 90. Most likely with Ike Villanueva, he probably has a knockdown because that's probably how he wins in the first round. So that's a, so you're going to have ranges of outcomes of like 93, 98, 112, right? Quick win bonus, 122 or something, right? Something like that. But it's not really represented in a 28-point mean projection. You know why it's 28 points? Because there's a, there's 
uh, 80% of the time, like we see here versus uh, Tyson Pedro, 69% of the time on Pedro's line, Pedro wins inside the distance, right? And if he wins inside the distance at the volume of this fight, Villain and Wave, it doesn't score 28 points. Tyson Pedro, 52% chance, according to the betting line, of winning in the first round. If he wins, if, if Pedro wins in the first round, Villanueva has four points, six points, two points, 10 points, you know, maybe not even 10, right? So there's a lot of outcomes that are like single digits. And then there's like one or two outcomes where it's 90 plus. And then when you average it all out, it comes out to 28. But to build lineups based on a 28-point outcome is unrealistic, okay? So like I set up this type of thing here just to show, as, as an example, to show what the difference, but the, what, thinking in terms of range of outcomes is much better than thinking in terms of just as simply a mean or median projection. So what I did is I just put in the win odds, inside the distance odd, round one odds, and 10 outcomes just to show this concept. So let's say in the Romanov-Sherman fight, right? Which is not expected to last long, right? Okay. So there are some outcomes where the, the most likely outcome is Romanov knock, knocks him out in the first round or ground and pound TKO finish or something like that. And he scores like, like 115, right? So I'm doing this. Let me center these so they look better. Okay. So if he, if Romanov scores 115, Sherman probably scores three, maybe, maybe, maybe three right? Something like that. You also get like maybe, maybe, you know, non-knockout TK 98 to the five, something like that. You may, oh, maybe he does last to the second round. So he gets a 70 point finish and a not and a knockout or something. Maybe, maybe he is 84 and Sherman ends up with uh, 10 or something like that. Right. There's others, the Romanov quick win type of thing to 128. Sherman has one, right? Something like that, right? There's a lot of outcomes, like 90% 90, 90 of these outcomes, right? If we look at the, the, the probabilities, right? 90% of the outcomes are Romanov scoring a lot of points or scoring a good amount of points. So, let, you know, 102 to seven, right? But there may, be, there may be one outcome where Sherman just knocks him out in the first round. And Sherman scores 106 and Romanov scores four, right? Something like that, right? There's also a Sherman lasts the whole thing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't end inside the distance. Sherman lasts and loses, right? So maybe he scores 34 points and Romanov scores 86 or something, something like that. Okay. But there's also plenty of outcomes where Romanov. 138 on a decision and Sherman scores 16, right? Because it lasts uh, the, most of the way and it's a finish in the third round, right? So we take a look at all, all of these, these types of outcomes. So maybe he only scores he, it very quick in the first round, 102 to two, right? And then we have, you know, let, I mean, in only one of these outcomes is Sherman come ahead, right? 106 to four, you know, first round KO type of thing. Right, because that's based on what the betting lines. That's kind of kind of what it's saying, right? So we we take a look here. Maybe a low scoring. You know, there's a stand up fight or whatever. Maybe he only scores seventy eight, but Sherman scores scores you know twenty four or something, something like this. 
right? So in the 10 outcomes, the mean for Romanoff in these, you know, realistically, but I'm just like faking the outcome, right? We take a look at, uh, you know, the mean right here, Alexander Romanoff, 91, Jay Sherman, 21, right? Well, I kind of represented that with the range of outcomes, right? 93 and 20, right? Close enough, right? But only one of these outcomes, like Chase Sherman doesn't score 20 points. Look, he doesn't score. He scores most of the time. He scores garbage. One time, And then when he does score well, it's 106. It's not, it's, when he wins, it's because he knocked out the other guy. He's probably not going to win a decision, right? And there are some range, if we, if we extended this, then we did 100 different outcomes. Yeah, there, there's probably one out of 100 where he wins a decision or something. So if you see here, if you're building based on 93 and 20, those aren't like actual outcomes, right? If you're building based on Chase Sherman 20, that's not an actual outcome. If you were to utilize, like for instance, in the build rules, randomness, range of outcomes, you couldn't even represent this distribution in randomness. You can't because randomness is based on a percentage in optimizers, right? Even if I, if I put this on 50% range of outcomes, so I want to capture 50% plus and 50% minus the range of outcomes of both fighters. Well, what the optimizer is going to do is add or subtract 50% to the, to the player's mean projection. So at 91, it's going to you know put 45 or so plus or minus. So it's going to randomly, as it builds one lineup, then the next lineup, then the next lineup, it's going to be anywhere from what, 45 to 135? And go, it's going to give you 45 to 135. Well, Romanoff, most likely, like 45 is not really a realistic result for Romanoff, right? Based on our range of outcomes, he doesn't score 45, right? He could score 135, sure, but he can't score 45. Now, take a look at uh, Sherman. We have a mean projection of 21. So let's say we put 50% randomness, which is kind of insane, Right? So 50% of 21 is what? About 10, 10, 11, right? So it's going to choose between 10 to 30 or something like that. But in, in none of those outcomes, 10 to 30 is Sh Sherman winning. Yet, based on the betting lines, he's going to win. He's going to win 7% of the time. He's going to win. He's going to win inside the distance, you know, 7, 4% in the first round or something like that. So when that happens, that's not going to be a 30-point score. That's going to be... It has to be more than a 30, a 50 point, even if it's in the third round or something, 50, 55, something, something like that, right? So by going by mean projections, you're really not capturing the, the actual ranges of outcomes of the fighters, right? And this applies to all sports, okay? It's a, from a, for a blunt perspective, you could use median projections, mean projections, right? But the more bimodal, the players are the sport is in general outcomes in the sport is the less that median projections matter is but like you care more about would care more about a ceiling projection in a sport like basketball which is much more normal right nfl if you took out touchdowns right baseball if you took out home runs right that would be much more normal there I mean projections i mean you, you know an nba you're going you're gonna to go by projections. You're, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to do pretty well, right? Yes, there are outliers here and there, but for the most part, most of the, most of the outcomes are within one standard deviation, 
and MMA and golf and NASCAR, stuff like that. They, they aren't, right? So say, oh, this guy was rejected for 78 and he scored 20. Well, the projection was off. You wouldn't say that in MMA. Like, dude, if the guy gets knocked out in the first round, he's going to score low. That's part of his range of outcomes. Just because his mean is higher doesn't mean anything. So you could do that with all these, these types of fighters, right? You could, you, you could visualize this at least. We've got, we have uh, in the middle, for instance, the $8,100 fight, Parsons and Elder, which is a little bit more closer of a fight, right? If we see here based on my sheet, right? It's like 57-47, 55-45, Parsons is favored. And they both have like about a, a third of a shot at winning inside the distance, about a fifth of a shot at winning in the first round, right? So if we take a look at their ranges of outcomes, right? We could go here. It's like, okay, let's say Parsons, you know, one out of these 10 times, Parsons wins in the first round. So let's, let's call that a, a 104 to six, something like that, right? And one time it's the other way around, right? Something like that, right? And then we have times that they win inside the, you know, about three, two, two out of these times, they went inside the, they went inside the distance second or third round or something. So maybe you get uh, an 88 to 18. Maybe you get that kind of the other way also, right? You get a, you get a, maybe, maybe a, a low scoring decision win, 72 to 34 and vice versa, something like that, right? Then a obviously Parsons is a little bit more favored. So let's see. It's going to win a little bit more often. So maybe you get, you, you get a bigger score, 112, but it's more like a third round finish. So this guy scores like 24, right? Maybe you get it the other way, but not as pronounced, right? So maybe that's 20, 34 versus 92, like something like that. And you get somewhere in the middle, right? Something in the middle, like 86 to 40, right? And then you get something like 48, to 80 or something like that, right? So these would be realistic outcomes of, of this fight, okay? So that's where you get the mean projection of 60 for Parsons and 55 for Elder, right? Which is about, about you know, 59, 56, yeah, somewhere around there, right? Right, I'm just, I'm just ballparking everything, okay? But if we take a look at, like, if you were to target a fight, like out of all of these outcomes here, how many are more than 100, right? One, two, three, three. In the other fight, one, two, three, four, five, six, which includes one by the underdog, right? Obviously they're priced differently. We didn't throw that away, right? Just like which fight has the wider range of outcomes? It would be the Romanoff-Sherman fight rather than the Parsons-Elder fight. Now, scoring 88 points for 8,100 may be fine anyway, right, for their price. Romanov scoring 84 points at 9,600 ain't good enough, right? But 102 may not have been good enough at that price, depending on what other fighters do. But if you see here, like these mean 60, when does Parsons score 60 out of these 10 trials? He doesn't. He doesn't even come close, right? 72 is the closest, right? 48 is the closest. When does Elder score 55? Like none, none of these times, right? 
And then people are blinded by, well, at the same price, why wouldn't I play a guy that's 5.4, four or five points higher median projected? Well, that doesn't, in, in this instance, it doesn't matter. Yes, Parsons will score more, a little bit more of the time. That's it. But then once you factor in ownership, if they were both owned at the same exact rate, yeah, they have Parsons would, would be the better play over a very large sample. But if you tell me that Parson, that Elder is going to be half the ownership of Parsons, or Parsons is going to be 24% owned, and Elder is going to be 14% owned, well, that's very clear. You play Elder. But the five-point projection difference, it's like, what do, I, what do I care about the mean projection difference? Hell, this may not even be a fight that, that you even target, depending on the range of outcomes. Like, we take a look at uh, maybe the Guida Puelas, maybe not, let's see. Uh, some fight that is more likely to not go the distance, to go the distance. Uh, Jordan versus Venata. Okay, here, here we go. Jordan versus Venata, right? Jordan's plus 325 inside the distance. Venata's plus 340 inside the distance. But Venata, you know, is, is, is almost is the favorite in this fight as the underdog. He's going to be popular in MMA and in, in DFS. But here's a fight that doesn't, doesn't go to the distance that often, right? We take a look at the sheet, Jordan. 24% of the time, Venata 23% of the time inside the distance. Venata 14 in the first round, Jordan about 14 in the first round, right? So this goes to decision a lot of the time, okay? So if we do the range of outcomes here, so let's say inside the, you know, inside the distance, there's going to be four, four of them inside the distance and probably two for, two for each side. But it may not even score that much, like a, a, a non-first round finish for Jordan may only be 82 points. And Venata probably scores 15, right? And then we also have vice versa, probably something very similar on the other end, 82 to 15, okay? Second round finish, something like that. Then we also have the first round, the first round type of finishes. Uh, Jordan probably gets a knockout. If, if and that's the case, maybe he scores 108, right? Venata scores four, right? And then kind of vice versa, but. Venata probably does it based on wrestling. So maybe he has 98 and Jordan has six, right? And then a whole bunch in the middle, right? A lot of decisions. So if Jordan wins a decision, probably scores something like 64 points. Venata scores like 42, something like that. And kind of vice versa. Venata in a decision probably scores a little bit more due to wrestling. So maybe 78, 78 to 32. Right, go back and forth like that. So, like we add some more, some more outcomes, seventy to forty-five. Right, we we have uh, you know eighty-eight to thirty-six. Right, something like this. Maybe you get like an eighty, eighty-six to twenty-eight. Right, something like that. And uh, Jordan decision, I mean, you can get even a lower score. 70 to 48 or something like that, right? So there we go. So we have a mean of Jordan at 56, Venata at 52. Let's see what we have here. Jordan 63, Venata 59. So cl close enough, right? Within the range, right? But take a look at this fight. Like, look how many, like 50, a 56-point projection here. Obviously, for the price, probably not good. 
right? But it's like the range of outcomes is this fight. Like, how often does this fight score over 100 points? Like once between the two fighters based on their range of outcomes because it doesn't, it, it goes to decision a lot of times. So while the mean projection is 52 for Venata and 56 for Jordan, we could have other fights. For instance, let's take a look at the Barriot uh, right fight, for instance, which Barriot minus uh, plus 155 inside the distance, right? So we see Barriot 39% inside the distance, right? 29% inside the distance, 24% of the first round, right? 17% of the first round. This fight does not go the distance that often. Like, like 60 to 70% of the time, I think the line on not does not go the distance is like minus 175 or something like that. Does not go the distance. So like six out of these outcomes, the fight is finished early, okay? So four, four they're not, right? Barriot's a little bit more, more uh, durable. So let's say that Barriot wins a low scoring decision, 66 to 38, right? Right, and then we got kind of the opposite way also, 38 to 66, okay? Maybe Barrio wins an even lower scoring decision, right? 56 to 32 and the opposite. Let's do the opposite as well, 32 to 56. And now we have the big scores, right? Barrio wins in the first round, 116 to eight, something like that. We also have the opposite, right? First round, KO, 106 to four, something like that. We keep on going more of these types of outcomes. 104 to, I mean, maybe 104 to 14. This is the first round. Now we get a 98. To six, right? We get a one ten to ten. That good? One ten to sixteen. I'm trying to get the. I'm trying to get the numbers in there. Let's see. We got. Let's say we got uh, eighty six. Is that going to get us there? Eighty. I'm trying. I'm trying to make it so so you can see the what I'm trying to show. Maybe an eighty. Let's see, 80 to 36 or something like that, okay? Let's put this up to 100, 100, there you go, okay? So now based on this fight, like the difference between the Barrio-Jordan fight and the Venata-Wright fight, like, like Jordan-Wright versus Lando-Venata, like which fighter would you rather have? Venata has a mean projection of 52, Wright has a mean projection of 47. But Venata's outcomes are much narrower than Wright's outcomes, right? Wright has, if we count, 200-plus point scores. Venata has zero. He has a 98 in there, right? So even though Wright is five points lower projected mean-wise, from a GPP perspective, you'd much rather have Wright. He has more of a shot at putting up 100-plus. Venata wins more often. It's a little bit more often. But when he wins, he scores a little bit less. Wright wins less often, a little bit less often, but when he wins, he scores more points. And the same could be said about Barrio and Jordan. Right? When Barrio wins, 
He wins a little bit. Well, actually, Barrio wins a little bit more often and scores more points. That's why Jordan is based on my sheet, one of the you know the lowest the lowest rated plays based on him being twenty two percent owned. He's going to be ten percent owned. That'll that'll go up. But this is how the range of outcomes how you how you should be viewing it. You don't have to go through and do you know this type of thing. Let, let me come up with with fictional simulated results. Now, if you're, if you're simulating outcomes, this is what a simulator would, this is what you do based on simulations. You're simulating a range of outcomes and then building lineups based on those outcomes and not necessarily on the mean of the two, right? Based on this, based on these ranges of outcomes in an optimizer, I'd end up getting more Venata than right, right? Because his mean would be, if we take a look, even take a look. I'm assuming Venata is going to project higher than, than right. Right, here we go. Venata, in our own projections, 56.4. Jordan Wright, 51.1. They're about the same price, 7,700, 7,600. So if I were to just purely go by mean projections and build lineups, it would as long as I have the $100, it's going to choose Venata over Wright. Because all it's trying to do is jam in the most amount of these F points in. That's all, that's all an optimizer does based on the constraints you give it, right? But Venata's range of outcomes is narrow. It, yeah, he scores more points on average than Wright. But Wright scores more points when he does score well. And I mean, when you're building GPP lineups, you're building for six fighters. They're going to score 100 plus points. You know, like you're... You don't, you don't care about uh, Venata scoring 74 points, right? Most likely that's not going to do it, right? And on average, he'll score a little bit more points. But how many times does Wright score more than 100, more than 90 type of thing? Well, that's not reflected in this median projection, right? Yet, and this is the number that an optimizer is going to use, right? So, oh, the, uh, the, the projections are bad. No, the projections are fine. It's the users that's bad, right? Because now... That's why people have asked me in MMA. It's like, how much, how much projection do you sacrifice for X amount of ownership? It's like, you, MMA doesn't work that way. These, 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 these distributions are not normal. In NBA, absolutely. If you're playing NBA in a much more normally distributed sport, how many, uh, four points of projection are worth how much ownership? But yeah, because you can rely on mean projections being actual outcomes. In a sport like MMA, PGA, NASCAR, they're not. You have to think in terms of much wider range of outcomes. Baseball also. I mean, NFL, you have touchdowns. That's the highest event-based, uh, event-driven thing that happens in that sport. And in home runs in baseball, right? Joey Gallo doesn't hit his mean projection often, right? He has zero points or he has 20 points, right? It's not, right? There's nothing in the middle. He either strikes out a bunch or he hits a home run. Same type of concept as this. So would you rather if two if two players right? In a vacuum, both have an eight point mean projection and you're playing GPPs. The, the whole goal of GPPs is to increase the variance of your lineup, which batter has more variance Gallo or you know, insert some guy that doesn't have that much power, but gets on base a lot, right? Gets singles and doubles, right? Someone, someone like that. It's like, yeah, that someone is going to score eight points a lot, a lot of the time. Their range of outcomes for a batter is going to be Three, five, 10, 14, seven, nine, 
right? Joey Gallo is going to be zero, 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 two, 18, 16, 22, zero, zero, two, five, zero, zero, 18, right? So the mean is going to be like eight. But he rarely scores eight points. So if, you get, if you're just building completely based on mean projections, you're missing out on actual ranges of outcomes. Now, from a blunt perspective, you could still build baseball lineups based on mean projections. But in sports like MMA, like I, I think I think it's it's a mistake, right? If you're viewing Venata and Wright as well, one is five points higher projected than the other, it's not you're not capturing the actual ranges of outcomes. And you're building based on that. And a lot of people you'll find projections around the industry for MMA where it's just the mean projection. Now, if you have the floor and ceiling, at least then you have some amount of range to deal with. But just by mean projections, people will build and I could look and you can exploit that, right? If I know that, pe that people are, are gonna have a lot more Venata than Wright or a lot more Venata than Felipe Linz, who probably has a better shot, like based on his odds, like Linz is 30% inside the distance, 17%. Venata is 23% inside the distance, 14% in the first round. So not like dramatically, dramatically different, but based on the range of outcomes, Linz is going to score 100 plus points more often than Venata, even though Venata is going to win more often, right? A little bit, a little bit more often, not dramatically different. So if the ownership is different, I should be playing more Linz. Linz has more 100 plus point scores. That's what I'm aiming for. Right, I don't care about either of them scoring 68 points when you're trying to make the nuts in MMA. So that's how optimizers, that's how you could exploit how people use optimizers. Now you could still use the mean projection. I mean, you could still use, I could go in here and still use this mean projection to build lineups. But then I, what I would have to do is go, I want less of Venata, I want more of Lynx, right? You could even, you could change the projection if you want. But like if I just did this, if I just build 100 lineups, for instance, if I build, let's not even 100, let's, let's build 40, just for speed's sake, right? I turn this all, I'm gonna build 40 lineups, 0% randomness, whatever. I'm assuming I'm gonna get a Venata in a ton of lineups, right? So out of my 40 lineups, Venata in, in 16, 40%, Jordan Wright in 8%. Does that make any sense? when Jordan Wright probably has more 100 plus point scores in his, in his range of outcomes than Venata? No, right? So what would I do in order to compensate for that? I could change the projection, right? I could do that if I want to. And obviously I change it to my little leverage score thing, or I just say, I'm, I'm gonna, I want less of him and more of, right? I want 30% I want Jordan Wright, but I don't want at max 20% Venata or whatever. Right, so I, then I end up getting more. Though the projection of those lineups will come down. Right, but I don't care about the total mean projection of a lineup. Right, so I'm compensating for that range of outcomes by playing more, by playing more of them. Right, Felipe Linz, I want more of that, right? And then there are also fighters that may be high projected that don't have as much of a path. Right, Jordan, for instance, projects at 63, yet like Prakniao, 
who's a little bit lower than him, projects at 62 because he he scores lower more often, but he has more of a shot at winning inside the distance, more of a shot at winning in the first round. So Prakniao probably has more 100-plus point scores in his range of outcomes than Jordan, even though Jordan's projection is one point odd, right? Because Jordan hits his range of outcomes is narrower than Prakniao. And in, especially in a sport where your goal is in large field GPP is, a spe- is, is pretty much to hit the nuts. There's no like, what's the, how much value, like the, a multiplier? No, I, I need the perfect line. And that's what I'm aiming for. So Jordan scoring 74 points for 8,600 or 8,500, that, that's, a, that's a dud, right? That, that's very, very, very unlikely to make the nuts, right? So w- which fighter has more of a chance and making the nuts, it's going to be practicing if they if they're both owned similarly. So that's why a little math lesson today. You, you could you could apply to just any sport, right? These aren't sports specific. This is this is how to think better, how to think like a professional DFS player. Theory of daily fantasy sports. I talk about this very thing. This is in chapter three about what what ranges of outcomes are, what distributions are. You see this, I, I essentially today taught you a math lesson. Was it that, this, that complicated, right? People think it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a numbers person. They go, you don't have to be a numbers person. You just kind of have to rewire your brain to think in terms of distributions, ranges of outcomes, probabilities, rather than something's going to happen or not going to happen. And then you relate that range of outcomes to what the field, what the public, right? The public thinks, you know, oh, this guy's going to smash and this guy's going to do horrible. And when it's more likely that there's a probability of one and there's a probability of the other. And what are those probabilities? And is, is the field over, over probabilizing, if that was a word, right? Oh, the field is acting like this is an 80% likelihood when it's really a 60% likelihood. Still high likelihood, but not that high. People are treating, oh, this guy has no chance. They're treating it as a 5% outcome when it's really a 15% outcome. So it doesn't happen that often, but when it happens, you're getting paid more for it. That's, that's the definition of expected value. So all these concepts are in the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. You don't need formulas. You don't need spreadsheets. You don't need, the, you don't, you don't need that. Yeah, it, would it benefit you? Sure, of course. You could build profitable lineups just by utilizing just concepts of math right you don't have to sit there and do formulas you don't have to do that right so 15 hours i I teach you all this me and james mccool so you go through it doesn't focus on just one sport this this applies across the board different concepts apply more for different sports right i i I showed you like in in nba mean projections are are there's so much more normally distributed that yeah, better mean projections are going to be, go by that, right? Baseball, not as much, right? Still more normally distributive than MA, than golf, than NASCAR, sure. Blunt-wise, you can still use median projections, but you see kind of the little things, the nuances of why a mean projection is not like the be-all, end-all. And especially in sports with a lot of, with bimodal outcomes, very binary results. Guy wins, guy doesn't, right? Okay, go through the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Uh, 
even Devin says, you really wouldn't have to get rid of home runs for MLB. You just need to lower the points for yes. The, the less of a weight you put on the events, the more normally distributed it will get. Right, and Alex says, I, I said before, and MLB pitchers have a much more normal distribution than hitters, right? Because the more amount, 100 pitches, there's more events that a pitcher has in a game than a hitter has. Mike B asked, what sports book am I getting my odds from? I typically, uh, I, I use offshore books. Typically ones that take sharper action have less big. But you could use any relationally, they, they, they'll be fine. Remember, you're using this for DFS purposes, not for like betting purposes. So as long as the odds in relation to other fighters, it's fine. You could use DraftKings odds. Just don't use odds from different books, right? Don't say for this fight, I'm taking these odds. And then, no, you just want everything to be relationally, right? Proportionally to each other, right? I, I go by an offshore book, but you... You, you could do any. You could do DraftKings, just that the spreads are going to be a little bit wider. Uh, Andrew Garcia, are you planning on leaving more salary on the table tomorrow since it's a smaller MMA slate? 12 isn't that small, right? Small, I mean, I don't mind leaving salary even on big slates. It doesn't matter. It's more the relationship of the odds to one another. On this slate, me, mo, people will be spending a lot of salary, Right. The problem is, is that we have we have three humongous favorites. We have three big favorites and two absurd favorites, right? The question to me is, most likely the optimal lineup is going to leave not much salary on the board. Because I, the chances of Romanoff, one, of Romanoff, Barry, and Pedro making the optimal lineup is very high, right? One of these 96, 95, $9,300 fighters. Well, at least one. Now, all three, I would never make that lineup. There's only, there's literally only one lineup that doesn't stack that could play all three fighters. You'd have to play Romanoff, Barry, Pedro, Lemos, uh, De La Rosa, and Else. That would equal uh, 50,000. You can't, you couldn't even play Wright, Venata, Linz, right? Because we have fights that got canceled and this price range is $8,800, 74. Like doesn't exist anymore. So like, if you're going to play all three favorites, there's literally only one combination that doesn't stack unless you stack a fight, which I don't suggest. So like that lineup is completely off the table. People will build that lineup. It's going to be duplicated a hundred plus times of jamming in all three guys because there's literally only one combo. Uh, so a lot of people will be playing two of them. And I think that's the most likely combination. I'm not saying it's the most profitable combination, but the most likely combination that becomes optimal, but it's, it's much more likely compared to the ownership that one of these 9K, 9,300 and above fighters is optimal and the other two aren't. And it's not a matter of Romanoff losing or Barry losing or Pedro losing. It's just not scoring enough points that someone in this mid range outscores them, right? So Prakniao goes out and puts up 115 and Dean Barry has 108 right? Which is still a great score, but no, the, that fighter beats out that 108, right? But it's, to me, it's unlikely based on the odds that none of the top three end up in there. And once you're spending 9,300, 9,500, 9,600 on a fighter, most likely you're not leaving that much money on the table. 
Because remember, when you're leaving money on the table, you're probably taking one of the bigger underdogs, right? And you have to figure that Lemos, Delarose, like a lot of these lower underdogs are going to be popular because people are going to be spending up on two of these top fighters. So think just logically about leaving money on the table, okay? Many lineups, think of the chalkier type of construction, okay? Two of these top two, right? Two of these $9,300 plus. Now, in order to play two of these two, two $9,300 plus fighters, you're going to probably have to play at least one of Lemos, De La Rosa, and else, right? They're going to go hand in hand, at least, at least one, if not two, okay? So that's going to be a very popular construction. So now let's say I don't play any of the top 9K fighters and I play Andrage, uh, Barrio, Prakniao, like kind of go down the middle. Well, if I go down the middle and spend 50K, I'd be avoiding the 7,300, 7,200, these, these three fighters that are going to be popular in two 9K fighter builds. So for me to get off of that and leave money on the table, I'm actually ending up in this range. And I'm going to be, basically my lineups will look like the, the chalkier lineups other than the fact that I'm not playing a 90K, $9,000 fighter. So the, the way that I win with that type of lineup that you could win with that type of lineup is you need these mid-range fighters to all outscore the 9K fighters because you're going to be playing, you're going to leave 500 on the table, 700 on the table. Well, you already have Lemos, De La Rosa, or Elson. You're like, well, the fighters, the lineups that have Romanov plus Barry or Romanov plus Pedro, Barry plus Pedro, that two are going to have those fighters in the lineup also. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be put in a position where I need the mid-range fighters to all outscore the high-range fighters because these, these low-price fighters are going to, going to be chalky. I'd rather get away from the chalky or low-price fighters, right? So if I just play one 9K fighter, I could just avoid De La Rosa, Ellis, Lima. I could just play right down the middle. My cheapest fighter could just be Philippe Lins, something like that, right? And then hope that, all these underdogs lose, right? Aori and Macy Barber, they win, but they don't put up enough points. And that the optimal ends up with like 49-7 and only includes one of these 9K fighters. So that you have to think of construction. So leaving salary on the table, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you'll be more unique. It's like, but you're still, you're going to be running into very popular combos. So leaving money on the table and not playing a 9K fighter does, doesn't do you as, as good of an option as you think. Using one of them, leaving a little money on the table, possibly. But I just really don't want to be stuck in lineups that leave 800 on the table and it's so I could go down from Claudio Puelas to Montella de, Montana De La Rosa as a, as a chalk dog. Or go from Dwight Grant down to Cameron Else, who's going to be a chalkier dog. No, I want to get stuck in the mid-range in order to get stuck in the mid-range, you're probably going to have to spend 49.5 plus. So there, that, that's that's a good assessment of uh, of that's how you think in terms of lineup construction, right? Once you once you play DFS often enough, you this is how this is the mindset of how you should be thinking, right? I went through that entire assessment. I didn't do any formulas. I didn't do anything. Just you get used to this, right? Doing it over and over and over again, right? Building by hand for two plus years, right? Seeing, well, if you play this guy, you have to play that guy. And if you do this, more people are going to do that. And you go, okay, how, how do I avoid those types of situations and still have a good enough lineup? Well, that's what I just did. Okay, dope. Give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. We got Grinders Live later today.
later today. We got five o'clock, 13 games late. So check back then for MLB strategy and uh, and uh, the crunch time. Crunch time's free the entire the entire season. That's great. So you get Roth's weather update, right? We got we already got Pirates Cubs. We'll start at eight oh five p.m. But stuff's coming in. Thirteen games. Got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Remember my uh, my code next coaching session in Zoom. For Roto-Grinders Premium members, Sunday, 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 4 o'clock Eastern. So join. Uh, you'll see a Zoom link in, the, in, the, in the, the channel there. Join. Ask whatever you want. Perfectly fine. I talk one-on-one with people. And, uh, and I'll see you back. I'll see you back on Monday. Answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show. On rotogrinders.com.